to Practical Nutrition. I'm Cassie. I'm Alex. And I'm Sarah. And we are talking about a very exciting topic today, intermittent fasting. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so we get lots of questions about this, and I'm sure that pretty much everyone has heard about it. And so we're going to go through some of the science behind it and potential theories and what research has shown us and some tips if you want to give some things a try. So uh, we'll try to be um, as thorough as possible in our, and not um, talk for hours. So that's our goal today. All right, so um, so just some statistics out, that are out there. 24% um, of Americans are thought to have tried intermittent fasting, and, um, and they found that it was helpful, a lot of them, and um, pretty easy to do, sustainable, inexpensive, so it doesn't require supplements or special foods or anything like that. Um, so definitely some benefits from the consumer side. Um, but you know there is a lot of conflicting information and we here are science-based and we look at what we you know, know from science or what we think we know at this point from science. And um, you know, but lots of questions we get is which way is best to do it? And we'll talk about the different ways. Also, you know, whenever, if I don't eat on Thursday, can I eat a whole pizza on Friday and everything's fine? So, <laughs> um, so we'll talk about some of those things as well. So why don't you start, Sarah, explaining what is intermittent fasting? Right. So intermittent fasting in and of itself does not have the word diet in it. So we like to refer to this as kind of an eating schedule rather than a diet because you go through periods of not eating and then periods of eating your calorie allotment. Um, there are various different ways to do it. One of the most popular ways to do it is a time-restricted feeding, which is a daily pattern. So most people will do eight hours of eating. A lot of people choose 12 p.m. to 8 p.m. Um, however, you can start it earlier, especially if you do exercise around that time or if you're just up at that time. Um, and then maybe they'll stop at like 6 p.m. or something. But anyways, you have that eight hours where you're eating and then you have 16 hours where you're fasting or not eating, right? You can also do four hours on, 20 hours off, and then 12 and 12. It kind of just depends on what works for you. And then there's days where you can do um, different calorie intakes like per day and not hour. So there's a one-to-one -one where you can do um, unrestricted and then restricted eating. And then there's also five days and two days where you have periods of uh, the, your calorie allotment where you're eating normal calories, um, unrestricted, and then you have periods of very, very low calorie. And that can vary depending on what your goals are, what you determine works best for you. So there are many ways to do it. And that's not how it started <laughs> yes. either. It was mainly just the hours and now there's days and all these other things and whatnot. Yes, there's tons of different ways to do it. And just moving off of that, is it helpful? And that's a very good question. And there's tons of research out there. But what we've seen thus far is studies showing that there's promise for weight loss, um, benefits from decreasing risk of heart disease, lowering cholesterol, um, benefits with diabetes, blood pressure, inflammatory diseases, longevity. I mean, there's tons of different benefits to it. Um, and the research depends, again, are you doing intermittent fasting? Are you doing it for days? Are you doing time-restricted fasting where it's for different times, like Sarah was mentioning? So a 2018 study found that following the the 16-18 eating pattern, so that's 16 hours of fasting, 8 hours of eating, helped obese participants consume 350 fewer calories, and that was over a 12-week period, and that's just from fasting. Um, it didn't take into account their diet, kind of what they're eating on a consistent basis. Uh, it's really just that restricted time eating. So just from that, 
3% body weight loss overall and 350 fewer calories. And which Sarah was talking about, this isn't a diet, it's really more so of an eating pattern. So that pattern helped these clients decrease their body fat and have fewer calories overall. And then a newer study, uh, this is a large one. It was in 2020, September 2020. Um, it was randomized controlled trial and examined intermittent fasting with, again, that 8 to 16 fast period. Um, it was superior for fat loss compared to a normal non-intermittent fasting diet approach. The lead researcher tried intermittent fasting. He found weight loss himself. So that's why he kind of wanted to try this with other people. In 12 weeks of intermittent fasting and non-intermittent fasting, examined fat loss, lean body mass, blood pressure, glucose, all this stuff, um, they found virtually no difference between the groups except for two distinct things. The first was the group doing intermittent fasting lost significantly more lean body mass than non-intermittent fasting. So 65% of total weight loss was all lean body mass. So that's something to consider when looking at this fasting research, which we've already looked at a lot of it. But again, we don't know what they were eating on a consistent basis. We don't know their exercise regimen. So yes, they maybe lost that lean body mass, but again, we don't know what they were eating on a consistent basis. Um, the group did doing intermittent fasting spontaneously decreased their activity more than the group doing non-intermittent fasting. Um, fat loss, weight loss, blood lipids, um, insulin were virtually the same between the two groups. So. It's important to look at the research behind this. I know that was kind of a lot, <laughs> a lot to say research-wise, um, but it's important to kind of know the distinct differences between intermittent fasting, time-restricted eating, um, and what's going to work well for you. But in these specific studies, they find they found that calorie restriction was seen, body fat loss was seen, but also lean body mass was seen decreased. Um, so something to consider. Yes, and we definitely need more research. Yes, and because a lot of the research that's out there um, are on rats or you know not in humans, and also you know there isn't one specific pattern that they're testing in all of these, so it's hard to really compare. You you know Sarah explained all the different ways you can do it, so um, so that's hard to know as well. Um, so methods, what's best? We don't know, you know, um, and optimal timing of the day as well. Lean mass, body fat loss, or body loss um, is actually shown in if you fast maybe in the mornings, which why do people fast in the mornings? Because it, they like that. It's, there's no scientific reason. They want to skip breakfast. <laughs> people are like, I'll skip breakfast. I don't care, but I do not want to skip dinner. So that's where that 12 to eight comes in. Um, a lot of the research patterns when they're, they're developing them, they, the researchers even say, we did it this way because the clients didn't want to skip dinner. They were happy skipping breakfast or they thought they could, could skip breakfast. And so there really is no scientific reason why it's 12 noon to 8 p.m. that people are eating. And from what I've seen and my experience with clients as well, I don't think that's optimal. We'll talk a little bit about that. So, um, but it is easy. So, um, so it's easier. So um, we also need, in, in our field, we are sports dietitians and we, there's not a lot of research on athletes. And so, um, so we want to make sure that our athletes are well fed. And so if you're an athlete, you just need to use caution with this. We know that fueling works 
fueling helps you get faster, helps prevent injuries, um, keeps you well, you know, not getting sick all the time. And so, um, so they're, you know, whenever they look at fasting in populations, because some populations do fast for religious reasons. So Ramadan is a good example. So when they look at that population, there actually is a decrease in performance whenever they're fasting. Um, so that's something to think about. Um, and, you know, just stuff that we don't know yet. So, um, so those are interesting things. We'd like to see more research and then, you know, different populations, men versus women, for example, is there a difference on, in how women's bodies handle fasting versus men's bodies? And so, so these are all things we just don't know that we would be interested in. So, um, so let's talk about theories of why intermittent fasting or time-restricted eating would work. So Sarah, why don't you start off with the first one? So the first and probably more recognizable one um, is that you have a specific time span that you're eating. And so oftentimes people feel like they're able to get into a calorie deficit. Um, one thing I'll say too is a lot of people that have super busy schedules or they have to wake up super early or they're working in the hospital in healthcare, they like to have that window of eating because it almost seems thoughtless in terms of when they're going to eat, when they're going to feel whatever it is because they have that specific window and maybe it's a window where they have more free time, whatever it is, whatever works for their schedule. And so there it is flat out between 12 and 8 eat your calories, don't worry about anything else. So this proposed theory is that people may consume fewer calories if they're significantly restricting the time that they're eating, whether that be days or hours like we talked about before. Yeah, good. And then Alex is going to talk about some more technical things. So bear with us. You can uh, yes. zone out for a second if you want to, but if you're a science nerd like we are. Yeah, or grab a cup of coffee yeah. and listen in. Um, so oxidative stress mechanism is what we call it. And fasting causes less work for our mitochondria. So our mitochondria, we all have them. It's our energy producer for ourselves. And they produce ATP, and that's how we get energy. So this decreased mitochondrial energy production results in decreased free radicals in our body. And free radicals happen just from metabolism. Um, so whenever you're fasting, your mitochondria aren't working as hard and there's less free radicals in your body. And these free radicals, they're unstable atoms that damage cells, increase aging, can cause illness. So there's lots of things that free radicals cause. Um, but whenever we're fasting, research shows that there's less of them. Therefore, there's less inflammation because as we know, more free radicals, more inflammation in the body. But again, if we're eating lots of fruits and vegetables, whenever we are eating, then we're decreasing that inflammation in the body because we're getting lots of good antioxidants. But research does show that if you are fasting, then you're decreasing those free radicals, you're decreasing the work the mitochondria does, and therefore you're decreasing inflammation in the body. Yes. And that's a plus. It's <laughs> a plus. It's a good thing. Um, yeah. All right. And then another theory is about circadian rhythm. And this that I find so interesting because all of our cells in our body have circadian rhythm associated with them. And our brain really have to think of that as the motherboard for the circadian rhythm of your whole body. All the bacteria, pretty much all living things, but all the bacteria in your gut also has a circadian rhythm. And so, which is so interesting. So crazy. So, and circadian rhythm really when it, let's talk about a little bit what that is um, but it's a 24-hour cycle of metabolism so our bodies and our brains um, control what hormones are released at certain times what our body's doing at certain times and so there's some theory with intermittent fasting that if you sync up what your body's trying to do with what you're putting in your body and your gut bacteria are doing with it um, then that can be a health benefit and so um, that's where the timing comes in because 
because if you're thinking about circadian rhythm, typically that's light cycles. So that would mean that our body is expecting food and will do better things with it if it's light out. And so the research behind that is really interesting because we do know that nighttime eating and people, for example, who work shift work um, have bigger negative effects, even if they eat the same foods at night versus during the day. And so there's something with timing. And so it may be that our bodies aren't needing food or expecting food at that time, or the circadian rhythms of our gut bacteria and how we're processing the food isn't synced up to when we're actually eating it. And so, um, so very interesting stuff. Um, sleep disturbances are also associated with late eating and that can mess up your circadian rhythm. So that might be a piece of the puzzle as well. Um, and so, um, you know, and then glucose production. So how your body, when you eat food, especially when you eat carbs, it's going to release glucose into your bloodstream. So that will require your body to release insulin, which is a hormone. I kind of think of it like a key. It unlocks your cell to let that energy into your cells. So that glucose production is actually higher if you eat at night than if you eat during the day. So, um, and if you know anything about blood sugar, you know, higher blood sugars mean more insulin production. Insulin's a fat storing hormone. So all you're doing is putting yourself into this fat storing phase at night, which is not what you want. Yeah. And then going to sleep. <laughs> yeah, going to bed. So, so timing is definitely important. And I mentioned this just because a lot of people, again, jump on the bandwagon for intermittent fasting and they say, well, it's fine for me to skip breakfast and I'll just eat till 8 p.m. Well, what this is showing is that probably isn't the best way metabolically to do intermittent fasting or time-restricted eating. So very interesting. Um, and then uh, also there's the time of day. This is a question I get a lot, um, but the, the only research study I saw that really looked at time of day, and again, all the researchers like, we need more research on this, but it's 4 p.m. <laughs> is very hard. So they eating dinner at 4 p.m. out there? <laughs> Anybody? We're getting an early bird special. Um, so, but that would mean uh, being done by 4. So you'd actually need to have your last meal probably at 3.30. And, you know, so you have to look at that and how realistic is that for you. Um, I do, you know, th there probably are benefits just to eating earlier. But um, but whenever they looked at it, they, they saw if you eat by 4 o'clock, there were actually an, an eight-week study, um, improvements in glucose control, decreased inflammation and lipid levels that weren't there when people ate late, even when they did intermittent fasting. So, so very interesting. Mm -hmm. um, people who ate after 4 p.m., again, but they still did the intermittent fasting when they compared that to the other group, had worsening blood sugar control and inflammation and blood lipid, lipid levels. So, um, so the timing is very interesting. So um, during the daylight, also eating is shown to have a positive association with healthy gut bacteria. And, you know, we'll talk probably more about that in some other podcasts that we do, but um, healthy gut bacteria are really important for overall health. We aren't gonna get in that today, into that today. It <laughs> could be a whole so, other hour. Uh, all right, so Sarah, what's the, what's the other theory that's out there? Well, I'm sure many of you are familiar with the word keto. 
Um, so there's two different things, and I'm going to talk about one of them, and so I don't want you to get them mixed up. Well, the ketogenic diet is not what we're talking about. We're going to talk about strictly ketosis. And when you're in a fasting period, um, research shows about six to seven hours into a fast, then your body's going to start producing ketones and use that for energy because you've depleted your main fuel source, um, your glycogen stores are lower, so now your ketones are, are being used for energy. Um, and, and this is you're starting to burn fat, right? And so with the ketogenic diet, you you are burning more fat because you're putting more fat in you. You're consuming more sources of dietary fat. Well, if you're just doing intermittent fasting, you're not necessarily eating more fat, um, but you are you are um, burning more fat because you've depleted your other energy stores, right? Um, so that, that could be a plus because research has shown that there may be a little more muscle preservation. Now that's gonna be independent from your diet profile, how much protein you're eating. And a lot of the times we don't see that accounted for in research. Um, so that's definitely more information that we need, but it's something to look at and you know utilize at an individual basis. Yeah, so those are all theories and theories aren't necessarily proven. So those are all reasons why scientifically intermittent fasting or time-restricted eating might work. So let's talk a little bit about some pros of this pattern of eating and then some cons and then we'll also discuss the bottom line and some tips if you wanna give it a try. So pros, Alex. Yes, some pros, you love the pros. Time-restricted eating is relatively easy to stick to. Um, so a lot of people find it much easier to stick to something like eating for eight hours and fasting for 16 hours um, compared to extreme intermittent fasting. So eating two days a week of whatever you want and then like Sarah was talking about those five days of maybe 400 to 800 calories depending on kind of what you're doing. Um, so research shows that it's much easier to do time-restricted eating rather than like intermittent fasting um, or something like that. Uh, it gets similar weight loss results to consistent calorie restriction. So again, that time-restricted fasting shows that you get that same calorie restriction um, that's consistent throughout each day. It's shown to improve metabolic factors such as blood pressure, inflammation, heart disease. We already talked about like cholesterol and diabetes, um, all shown to be improved through uh, time-restricted eating. Yeah, and research yeah. just that, that also is shown without any weight loss. So that's yes, something that right. is interesting about this that, you know, may, and it, again, it may be that they're choosing different foods or other things, but uh, but that's an interesting thing that they've shown. So interesting. Because <laughs> um, even going off of that, maybe your goal is weight loss, but you can, like Cassie just said, you can find benef benefits like through your lab work and that sort of stuff by doing time-restricted eating. Um, potential decrease in inflammation, which we talked about, that oxidation that we already mentioned, um, that stress mechanism, and then other potential benefits, sinking the body's circadian rhythm, enhancing gut microflora, uh, metabolic processes. So altogether, pros, if done well, time-restricted eating compared to anything else, even intermittent, extreme intermittent fasting can be very effective. It can be very sustainable. Um, and we definitely recommend it to some of our clients if we feel that it would be appropriate for them. Yeah. So good. So those are some definite pros, you know, yeah. so let's talk about the cons, which that list is a little longer. I'll, <laughs> I'll talk about a few and then I'll, I'll tell Sarah can finish up those. But, uh, but again, the optimal, and this is something I mentioned on a circadian rhythm, the optimal times that are for your body to do the best may not be realistic for people. I mean, how many people are going to eat dinner by 4 PM, for example, or before it gets dark, especially in the winter, that's about, you know, 4 PM. So, yeah. um, so that is something to consider. Also, 
also um, low calorie days. And when we say low calorie days, so say you're doing the, you know, one day on, one day off, that's going to be, you know, 400 to 800 calories. That's very difficult for a lot of people to do. So that may not be realistic for you as well. Um, and it also on those times when you do eat on the flip side might promote binge eating. I know, you know, people will totally go, they'll go get maybe burger, fries, ice cream, you know, how many things can you eat on that day? <laughs> and, you know, that isn't really promoting healthy eating behaviors. And that's something that we, you know, definitely want is intuitive eating, listening to your body, and it takes all of that out. So, um, so that may not be the best way for you to learn how to eat healthy. Go ahead, Sarah. So yes. next, and, and you know, like Cassie said, we are sports dietitians. We do work with a lot of athletes. And because we don't have all of the information with athletes, we won't necessarily recommend this to everyone. Now, it's definitely on an individualized basis. And that's why it's helpful to, you know, recognize working with a nutrition professional can either enhance, you know, your goals or get you closer, get you a faster time, get you a PR. Um, so we do need to make sure that athletes specifically are eating enough because we want to see improvements in performance we don't want to see an increase in stress fractures which can certainly happen um you know just planning and making sure energy needs are met and and like we said meet with the rd to determine timing and schedule of eating to meet your specific caloric needs also extreme intermittent fasting which could be those no no eating on days eating for four hours, fasting for 20 hours is not gonna be appropriate in a lot of populations. So we are familiar with what nutrition looks like in terms of medical nutrition therapy for disease states. You know, those with children, people with uncontrolled blood sugars, there are, there's research that shows people who go through those fasting periods oftentimes feel more fatigued, experience hypoglycemia, which is decreasing your blood sugar, and that can be very detrimental and harmful to certain populations. So understanding that it doesn't work for everyone is very important. Um, we also, you know, analyzed the research and found that muscle mass decreases especially happen in people who fasted in the morning, which is typically the time period that people will fast. Um, and we don't want to see muscle mass loss. That's something that we track with our clients. And when we see weight loss, but it was all lean body mass, then that's when we go in and kind of alter their nutrient profile, reassess what's being done. Because lean body mass is, it has lots of pros in terms of increasing your resting metabolic rate, which means you're utilizing more energy at rest, increasing weight loss, stuff like that. We don't get into do too much detail with that. We go on for that forever. Um, it's also, you know, contrary to popular belief, intermittent fasting does not have any metabolic rate advantages. The research just doesn't back that. I mean, I've heard it left and right. I'm increasing my metabolic rate because I'm fasting. Well, no, you may be increasing the amount of fat that you're burning because you're in that state of ketosis like we talked about before, but you're definitely not just going to sit there and all of a sudden increase your metabolic rate. If it were that easy, we'd probably all be doing it. Um, and like I said, you know, just making sure that it's appropriate for who you are as an individual. So just because your famous, your favorite famous fitness guru on Instagram is doing it does not mean that it's appropriate for you, especially if you do struggle with low energy levels, um, you know, changes in your blood sugar, that's stuff that we, that we want to assess. Um, it's also not superior to just eating in a normal calorie restricted eating plan. Um, there are certain benefits that are associated with intermittent fasting that we found in the research, but you can still achieve similar, if not identical results 
just working in a normal calorie restriction. Um, I will mention this research study that I found. It was a study posted in the American Journal of Clinical Nutrition. They found that intermittent fasting was no more effective than a traditional calorie-restricted diet. So the population that they studied was 150 overweight or obese women, and they had that 5-2 diet. So they were, you know, five days of an eating pattern and then two days of unrestricted or um, restricted, whichever those specific participants were following, and they lost more weight during the 12-week study period during that shorter-term 12 weeks, but when they went in for a one-year follow-up, the weight loss was essentially the same. They didn't look at metabolic profiles and stuff like that, um, but that's something to think about if you struggle with sustainability or you know whatever it could be. Um, the research is showing all these different things, so just Approaching it on an individualized basis is one of the most important things that we can tell you guys as consumers in terms of following this eating schedule. Yeah, so bottom line, just to sum, summarize it, uh, many Americans eat too much. We eat, A lot of people eat too much and they eat for too many hours in the day. So this type of eating pattern can be something that's realistic and help people eat less. Um, and I, we actually would recommend something like time-restricted eating over the you know 500 calories a couple days or no eating at all a couple days. So um, time-restricted eating um, would be probably a healthier way to think about food and so um, for you know and not again not for everyone but time restricted eating can be realistic and sustainable for a lot of people and um, help with weight loss and maybe some metabolic things and when we say metabolic things that's how your body utilizes fuel that's not your metabolism so I just want to make that distinction <laughs> so because Sarah was talking about there is no reason why your metabolism would increase with intermittent fasting um, I think sometimes when people see metabolic processes they think metabolism, um, your resting metabolic rate. And so that's different than what we're talking about with the benefits to how your body utilizes blood, you know, the sugar that you're eating or carbs that you're eating or protein that you're eating. So there, there are possibly some advantages there. Um, there are other ways to lose weight though. So if this isn't for you, you haven't lost all hope. So, um, <laughs> but if you do want to give time restricted eating a try, um, what the, these are our tips and we'll talk about a few things and I'll start and then I'll send it over to Alex. Okay. But when you eat matters. So just know that if you are active in the morning or, you know, thinking about circadian rhythm, it may be better for you to skip dinner or eat an earlier dinner than to skip breakfast. And is that realistic for you? So think about that. Yes. Um, what you eat matters. So it's important to make sure you're getting lots of veggies, fruits, whole foods, enough protein. Um, we're talking about this time-restricted eating, and that means that we're not just having a free-for-all during the time that we are eating. It's definitely important to make sure that your plate is balanced. We try to promote choose my plate for the most part, making sure you're making half your plate fruits and veggies, and then going from there. Um, also, next, if you're an athlete, fueling your body correctly will help you perform better. We like to think of our bodies as a gas tank. I think Cassie told me this one time a long time ago um, our bodies are a gas tank and if like for example you're not filling your car up with gas you're not gonna go anywhere if you're an athlete and you're not fueling your body well then you're not gonna perform to your best ability so it's important to be sure that you're fueling well and make sure you're fueling enough uh, a lot of times we see low energy availability with our athletes and that's whenever we don't have enough energy so we 
burn a certain amount at rest. We do tons of activity during the day and then we don't have enough energy to sustain those metabolic processes that Cassie was referring to earlier. So it's important for our athletes to be sure that we're eating enough and that just goes for anybody that's active, um, making sure that we're eating enough throughout the day. Yeah, so, and you know, how you eat matters. It's not a license just to eat a bunch of junk whenever you're not fasting. So that's, you know, the healthy food Alex mentioned, but also it's not just eating whatever kind of junk food that you can find because you don't think it matters. So, so doing it in a healthy way might be realistic for you. Um, but if you have disordered eating tendencies or um, if you have binge eating tendencies, this probably isn't the plan for you. So, so just think about what you need, what you would benefit from, and we are here to help, of course, if you need help. Um, and so that sums everything up for today. We also, we are going to take a two week break for the holidays. And so we'll be back the first week of January and um, with some fun topics and, and definitely message us if you have something you want us to talk about. Uh, we'll be happy to do that. And so, um, and we have some new fun challenges starting. So be sure to check out our social media posts and um, because we have some fun opportunities for you to get healthier in 2021 and say goodbye to 2020. <laughs> yes. Good so, all right. Thanks guys. Bye. Thank you. See you next year.